Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What wow. a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, recording as we are in quarantine due to COVID-19. Before we get into the episode, just want to, on behalf of Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, and all of the Palace of Pistons crew, just want to send our best wishes to you and your families, hoping that you're staying safe staying healthy and everybody is doing their part to help flatten the curve so we can move past COVID-19. So sending our best, thinking of all of our listeners and supporters at this time um, and, and hoping that we can move past this and we will move past this very, very soon. With that being said, of course, the NBA is currently on shutdown right now and we had an opportunity to to go in a different direction than we have on the podcast before. Today, Aaron Johnson is going to sit down for an exclusive one-on-one interview with Arnie Kander, Detroit Pistons medical consultant and the former full-time strength coach of the Detroit Pistons. With that being said, I'm going to toss it to Aaron now for this exclusive one-on-one interview with Arnie Kander. So I'm joined now by Detroit Pistons medical consultant Arnie Kander. He initially was with the Detroit Pistons starting in 1992 as their strength and conditioning coach. He was one of the first full-time strength and conditioning coaches in the NBA. Now back with the Pistons as a medical consultant. Arnie, thanks so much for joining us today. And how are you doing? Uh, Thanks, Aaron. No, I'm doing okay. Like I think everybody else. Um, in the world, we're all faced with challenges and we're faced with um, different situations that we're not used to. But I, I think always in my line of work and the way I was raised, is it's an opportunity to grow together as a community, to learn things about yourself. Maybe that sometimes you have to be challenged to get to know. But um, yeah, I'm looking at it uh, as tough as things are. Um, for, again, all of us to stay strong as a community, as a society. Well, obviously, we wanted to have you here on the show today because of your work with the Pistons. Um, but the, the other thing that really made this interesting, the opportunity to have you here on the show today, was the, the job you have done working to spread information about the COVID-19 pandemic. You have been very active on your Instagram page, which... For all the listeners, you can follow Arnie on Instagram at Arnie Kander. Um, but you've been very active on your Instagram page, spreading information about the pandemic in its earlier stages. You've uh, begun talking about ways you can exercise, ways you can control your mental health, and different things you can do during this time to stay healthy physically and mentally. Why has that been so important to you? Well, you know, Aaron, I, I've never, I've done Instagram and I had maybe 10 people that <laughs> I would share things with, but I've never done social media before in all my years in sports, just something I never did. Um, 
And so as I was sitting there one day, I said, you know, what I've done a lifetime is teach, teach, get an opportunity to share. One thing in professional sports is we literally do not share a whole lot of what we do, right? It's our secrets. So if it's, whether it's fitness, whether it's, you know, psychological centering, focusing work, any things we can to have an athlete be better, we really didn't share it with other people. And so it was the advantage maybe the Pistons had over the Bulls or the Lakers or every team wanted to have their advantage. And I said, what a time to be able to actually now go back to what I think is important. Obviously, this is a different situation, but we deal with immune systems, health, virus. I mean, we face it as an NBA team. I mean, think about what a team does when they travel. You're on a plane together. You're in hotels together. You're in an arena together. So we have to be on our game, our top game all the time to keep immune health up. I've been studying and researching um, immunity, inflammation, body mechanics, human performance for a lifetime. So again, what a great chance to be able to share. And then more recently, um, I thought, you know, we're, we're not getting the same level of activity. We're sitting more, we're dealing with stress, we're doing things in a different way that we probably have never done. So let's get people up. Let's challenge them. So I put out, uh, this is an old test. Now, I used to do a variety of testing on college players and NBA guys when they were with the team. But one of the old simple ones was a step up where you literally, a simple step, and you go up, up, down, down, up, up, down, down, and you practice it. You get better at it, like no different than any skill, any sport. But then when we test, and I don't like the word test because everyone gets a little tweaked out. But when we assess you or give you the opportunity to do it, we give you 20 seconds and you go as fast as you can. So up, up, down, down for 20 seconds. And I've had eh, about right now, it's actually up to close to 300 people that have sent me their videos, um, former NBA players, some current NBA players, um, people that are just like, hey, I want to I want to do this. I want to we I love to be able to challenge, you know, during these times, if you just sit if you just sit there and deal with all the things we're faced every day, the stresses, the unknowns, um, why not put more control in your life? And one of the greatest ways of having control is a goal. And a simple little goal, like a 20-second step-up test, and then I'll throw in on some of the Instagram posts ways you can stay pliable, flexible, mobile, ways you can do breath work, some ideas about nutrition and health. Um, it's interesting if you go back three weeks ago, the things that I was talking about then, I think we're really starting to promote now, um, social distancing, really understanding about how when you enter your house, things you can do to not bring, if you've been out to the grocery store, to the pharmacy, how not to bring it in. So it's just bullet points. Um, again, things I've never done before, but I think we're all challenged to do different things now, raise the bar. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you next about the 20-step challenge. I found that to be such an interesting thing, and it does seem like something that people have really latched, latched onto. You mentioned how you've had over 300 submissions, and you know that's a way for people to be active and, and get involved again. You can, I, I assume people can still send you their submissions to at Arnie Kander on Instagram? Absolutely. So I'm always, Aaron, I'm always a big, uh, big thinker. You know, I'm always, I said, hey, I want 10,000. So I'm at 300. We got a ways to go. So I'm saying, hey, let's do this for the next month. Let's continue this. And I'm telling people, do it for a couple of days. 
And then like any training program, give yourself three or four days away from it so you'll recover from it. It's crazy how many people have said, man, I haven't felt my hamstrings and my hips in a while. And so and these are NBA guys, former NBA guys. Um, what's kind of fun, too, is most every one of these guys I've tested. Some I've tested 100 times doing this test. So I know their score, and they get a chance to repeat the test now as older athletes, and some are current players still. Um, but, again, yeah, it gives everybody that opportunity. And, yes, please, um, if you get a chance to do it, send me a video or just send me your score. Um, again, it's not the number that matters. We're not trying to set records, even though I did list what the piston record was. If anyone wants to shoot for that, and we're really close right now, actually, with a couple of different people out there. But, yeah, I highly invite everybody, have a goal, shoot for something, practice it, work at it, cross-train for it, um, nutrition, all the things that are involved to make you strong. That's great. That's right. I'll have to get my video in. But a lot of people, I mean, really most people now are under stay-at-home orders and you know, aren't able to go out or probably shouldn't go out to places like the park. And there are a lot of other places that are closed down, gyms and uh, all these other places where you could go and get physical activity. What is your message to those people right now? How can they, you know, not only follow their order of staying at home, but continue to get the physical activity and the enjoyment of, you know, not just being stuck indoors all day while having to still be at home? Sure, sure. No, that's great, Aaron. So, well, first, I'm, I am looking forward to your video. So I'm way I'm holding you to that. You got to get you just put it out there on this, this uh, thing we're doing here. So I'm waiting for that video. And actually, anybody you can send it out to, please, I'd love to, it gives me a chance to evaluate form and technique and just compliment everybody and just say, hey, stay strong and keep doing your thing. So I'll, that's a great question. And I'll bring it back to the NBA. So when we would travel, we would go to a hotel. We would go to the health room as soon as we landed. The younger players, players that didn't get a lot of minutes, we would go to the room. Now, we didn't go to the exercise room. We would go to a ballroom. And the reason for it is I didn't want equipment. I just wanted space. So literally, if you have a living room, if you have a dining room, if you have a basement, that is all you need. Um, you can do so many things, jogging in place, um, squatting, lunging trunk rotation, core work, push-ups. Um, there are so many body weight exercises that can be done. Stretching, mindfulness practice, yoga. I mean, I could go through probably 500 things that you can do in your space. And of course, we are emphasizing, and we've been saying this for weeks and weeks, do not go out unless you have to go out, as, we, as everybody's saying, for mandatory reasons, you know, food. And even if food can be brought to the house, do that. You know, we, we want to eliminate, we want to reduce this curve by exposure reductions. So when you can stay home, you can get everything brought to you if it's possible. And if you do have to go out, reminders again, the mask, keep this as a, it's a respiratory, which means you can only get it by, you know, nose, mouth, exposure. So be as safe as you can be. Some of the tips I've put out, but I'll say it right now, when you get home, remember, these droplets fall to floors. So if there are some people in a grocery store that happen to be walking around, and if it's an aerosol and it can reach the floor, you step on it. It will survive on your shoes, on the bottom of your shoes. So when you get home, 
Kick your shoes off using feet. If you have to use your hands, I recommend to wear loose-fitting shoes. Kick them off outside. And then when you go inside, it could also be on clothing. So I'm telling people again, that's, these are the highest precautions now, but why not be cautious? Throw your clothes in the laundry. Leave them there so they're not on you. Go shower. Make sure you totally, this is the highest level now, but eliminate any possibility. You know, we're making these so minimal, the chances of getting this and then potentially spreading it. And, of course, the soap and water hand washing, 20 seconds, crucial. Don't make it 15. Don't make it 10. Count to 20. That's the easiest way to know that you're doing 20 seconds of it. Be a surgeon. You know, literally get in between, get under the nails. Be really, really proactive in this process. Let's reduce that curve. And the words I keep saying, let's say Let's really stay strong. Well, Arnie, I want to shift to the NBA just a little bit here. And, you know, we talked about how people can stay active and, and try to stay healthy and, you know, keep their physical and mental health as their top priority. But NBA players kind of have to do it at a whole nother level as there still is that hope that the NBA season can return and they can get back out on the court at some point. So, you know, what should NBA players be doing to – keep themselves healthy both you know you know staying away from the sickness and staying away from COVID-19 but being able to keep themselves in physical condition so that when the NBA season resumes they're at a physical level that they'll be able to perform. Sure sure so I mean first kudos to the NBA um, you know being the I believe the first in sports um, once they had the positive test cases the NBA immediately shut down there was no waiting, giving it time. So I really, again, commend them for that. Um, one thing about NBA players, you know, being in the league a long, long time and knowing the Detroit Pistons medical performance staff and all of that, they've been teaching all along, meaning, you know, way before this, how to take care of your body, how to take care of your health, um, how to be creative. So in the beginning of this, knowing that this could ramp up, they made sure there was equipment in guys' homes that they needed. Uh, again, NBA players are creative. Medical performance staffs are creative. It doesn't require fancy equipment. It requires a room and their bodies. And what I mean by that is when we traveled as a team, we would get to a hotel, and I would always request a ballroom or an empty room. And the reason is we would go up there and do some of our fitness stuff for guys that weren't going to play that much the next day. So that could be defensive stance, that could be jogging in place, that could be stretching, that could be a multitude, some mild yoga patterns, we would box, you name it. NBA guys, they will be in shape. Um, they know what to do in terms of, you know, uh, relaxation techniques. They're incredibly in tune with nutrition. Um, so when it's time, if you know, and there will be a time, you know, if the NBA is back, NBA players will be ready, and they will set the set the bar of, of what it took during this time to stay actively fit, mentally fit, and spiritually fit. So yeah, they'll be fun. When Ed Stefanski took over the Detroit Pistons front office for the 2018-2019 season. He went on record saying that one of his first priorities when joining the franchise was bringing you back into the franchise in some capacity. What made you want to return to the Pistons? Well, yeah, I, I, 
a variety of reasons. One is first Ed, Ed Stefanski himself. So it's we've both been in the league a long time. We know each other by name, but we've never really spoke. So when he called, um, we we talked about many things before even coming back and doing something with the Pistons. And his reputation in the league is so incredibly strong and every player and people, coaches have nothing but positive things. And if you've ever sat down and spoke to Ed, you'll know what I'm talking about. So the Pistons for me has been, you know, pretty much most of my life, my family's life, you know, and and so it took a bit for me to want to come back. And I knew, you know, it wouldn't be back in the role that I was with travel and all of that. And I spent so much time away from my family. So with, I said, if they would be willing to allow this and that was great. Um, and so, no, it's been fun. Consulting is awesome because you can just watch some games. I mean, there's some players that I still were, was really close to Andre and Reggie and got to know Derek Rose real well and Blake and, Langston and Thon and go down the list, you know, Bruce, um, so many good guys, um, so many great coaches. Um, so yeah, get to come into town, watch, observe, you know, share some thoughts or ideas just from, you know, from old school, whatever you want to call it, all of that. But um, now they're a great organization. Anyone who's been around the Pistons, um, Tom Gores, you know, wants to win. He wants to do everything the right way. Ed Stefanski, he's, he's, he's a pro. He's a pro. So, yeah, it was easy because, again, they, they created or a situation for me where I could come back kind of in what worked for both sides. You know, it's been fun. One player that you talked about as someone you knew well and worked with was Reggie Jackson. And, and last year, you know, he was able to play all 86 games that the Pistons played in. And there was quotes from when he found out that, you were returning to the team, and when he saw you, he was just so happy because he knew, you know, just how talented you were at, at your job. And obviously, something that you two figured out with him has worked, and he was able to stay healthy last year. I know that, you know, obviously, you talked about this at the beginning of our discussion. It's not always easy, and you're not always able to talk about everything that a medical staff or a franchise does. But is there anything you can say to? what you did with Jackson that allowed him to stay healthy after, you know, two, three seasons where he really struggled to stay on the court? Yeah, well, the kudos really goes out to the Pistons medical group, you know, because they're the day-to-day, you know, they're the ones that literally every day spend time with Reggie. Um, I mean, I knew Reggie my last year I was there. We developed a relationship. I I love him. He's like a son to me. He works his tail off. Um, his family, his brother, Travis, I sat next to Travis during every game when I came into town. So me and Travis got to really know each other. We would be on the phone constantly, just comparing notes, what he sees, because Travis, his brother really knows basketball. He knows, his, he knows Reggie himself. Probably at the root of all of it, you know, is, is again, it's about family. It's getting to know people beyond basketball. If it's, you'll, you'll you know, this being in basketball, if it's only about basketball, you can only go so far. So every relationship um, is deeper. It's, it's getting to know somebody, what makes them tick, what do they enjoy, what do they enjoy about the game, what do they enjoy away from the game. It's getting athletes to really look broader, and that's Reggie. Reggie's not a narrow thinker. He's, he's such an introspective, but he's also a guy that wants to really help his teammates. Anyone who's listened to an interview, it's always about the other. 
It's always about what a player did, a great pass, a great defensive stop, Andre rebounds, Blake this, you know, whatever. It's always about another player, and that's what I loved about Reggie. So really, again, the credit goes to the medical staff um, and the performance staff and development staff, coaches. They, every single day, was there with Reggie working through him. Even this past season, you know, had the challenge of the back thing, but I can tell you, they had him working his behind off. Um, actually, you'll see as he came back to the Clippers, right? Again, we, we don't lose. I always call the NBA the Black and Decker world. When a player leaves, sometimes we take the nameplate off and we forget about the player. I have spoke to Reggie as much for the L.A. Clippers as I did when he was with the Pistons because, again, family's family. Family doesn't end when a player goes to the Clippers or the Bulls or the Miami Heat. That family connection is always there. And so to hear – you know, his successes with the Clippers and going well. And when the NBA returns, I told him, hey, I'm looking forward to you holding that championship trophy and, uh, you know, send me a pick. I'll sure I'll see it on TV if, uh, when, if and when it happens. Yeah, that that's great. Is And, you know, uh, from working with him, is there any extra, you know, excitement or, or happiness when you see him, you know, have that success compared to, you know, another player uh, just on any other team because you've worked with a guy like Reggie. Uh, is there any of, of that extra, you know, emotion that he's succeeding? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think no different, right, than a brother or a sister, a mom and a dad. Like, we're always rooting. I, I didn't even know the Clippers, to be honest, until Reggie went to the Clippers. And next thing you know, I'm watching Paul George a little closer. You know, I'm watching Kawhi a little bit closer. Um, so, yeah, anytime that one of your brothers, one of your sisters, one of your family is somewhere else, you're just a little more mindful of what's going on. You pay attention a little more. I look to see how he played that night, um, all of that. So, yeah, definitely yeah, that emotional bond or that emotional connection does not end when they're no longer with the Pistons. Well, two other Pistons that kind of can go hand-in-hand hand with the term uh, of injuries – are Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose. And obviously Blake Griffin was unable to have uh, another great season in Detroit after having such a successful year last year. Um, You know, he's out for the rest of this year, I guess, still um, with kind of the NBA season on on hold. And then Derrick Rose, obviously, who's had his history with injuries. But with Griffin out and and Derrick Rose, who's actually stayed really healthy this year, what has been your – talk with the rest of the Pistons medical staff on those two players and their health. Yeah. Well, like, like anything, we, we all know that uh, the end, everything cycles in and out within seasons. You have to stay consistent with everything you do. They've got a great staff. there, a great group that works with these athletes. Um, anybody who knows Blake Griffin knows how hard he works and how committed this guy is. My gosh. Um, you know, you can read the stories, but when you get to see it firsthand, um, the guy's a scientist. I mean, he's really into understanding, learning, getting better, um, has the highest expectations of his level of play. We saw it last season. I expect nothing different next season. I expect him to be back at that high level again. He has a complete off season, not a shorter off season, but a complete off season to be Blake Griffin again, the one that we saw. Um, no reason not to expect that. And then same thing with Derrick Roseman. We saw what he's capable of doing. We saw it every night, not just on the court, but what he does in the locker room. He leads by example. Um, I mean, 
if you ever watch a Piston game and you get a chance to go, watch his level of professionalism and commitment. So what I mean by that is he goes in at a certain point on the clock. Usually it's at the six-minute point. But about a minute or two before that, he goes behind the bench and he goes through these certain movements that he knows his body requires to be at that level of Derrick Rose, the MVP of the league. And then you'll see every time before, so he takes it to another level. You can't be the MVP in this league if you're not committed to everything you need to do to make you great. He does that. You see him at practices doing all these extra things. Um, Again, I've been fortunate to watch him. I've studied him from the time he was in college to when he played throughout his career. So that was an easy one when they said they were bringing Derrick Rose. You know, Ed Stefanski, again, give him all the kudos and Aaron Tellum and uh, Tom Gores and that whole group. Um, When you're around an MVP, I tell the young players whenever I'm in town, soak it in because there's not many of them. And there's a reason why, and he still plays at that MVP level. Maybe some less minutes than before, which is smart. But when he's out there, this guy is unbelievable. That's I find this stuff so interesting. As someone that, you know, for the, really the majority of my time, you know, enjoying and writing and researching about the NBA, I never really looked at the medical side. And then I met Larry Sanders, who obviously worked with you back on your staff, years ago with the Pistons and all of a sudden it started to become, you know, interesting to me. And I started to understand more about it. And I'm learning so much, even in this conversation here today, but for those of, for those people listening that maybe don't know what you do as a medical consultant, could you maybe explain what that title means and what that job entails? Yeah. So I think at the beginning, not this season, but the season before it was, really a bit more of just spending time with the staff and finding out what they liked. Um, Again, it's, you know, sharing some of my thoughts and philosophies. I mean, everything's always got to fit, right? I mean, you could have John Wooden walk in the room and my eyes are going to be bright and, or Bruce Lee or whatever, you know, all these people that are, are infamous for what they do and we can listen in here and maybe we pick up a few things. You know, I think we're all, learning and growing. So yeah, I've been in the league a long time. and I know there's certain things that for me worked. Um, They were successful and there's some challenges we all go through. So I think as a consultant, it's more, you know, being there to applaud, being there to support. Um, Probably a couple years back, two years ago, it was more involvement. This past season was more of watching, um, observing, just seeing um, more of that. So I think again, it's it's being there, right? It's being there to, you know, tell a player, you know, or, or text the player after a game, you know, where I'm back here in Colorado saying, oh, great job, great job in the fourth quarter getting to the rim or great pass or, hey, way to go on picking up a teammate. Um, you know, I've, it's funny. I've researched so many things in the NBA beyond. You know, we started studying even layup lines. I mean, as crazy as this sounds and researching what teams make the playoffs And we would measure in a layup line, especially on the rebounding side, because the rebounding side, what that, if you ever go to a game, you know, people that know basketball as well, you take a layup, which means you go to the basket and make a bat, then you run to half court to get into the rebounding side. Well, most teams don't run to half court. So we started studying that 22 years ago, and almost every playoff team gets within 75% of half court on the rebounding side. 
teams that don't make the playoffs are usually 45% or less. And so when we won our championship in 04 and we were in the finals in 05, we averaged 98%. So that meant we were consistent. We worked. Um, to me, layup line is your last opportunity to be ready for the game. Are you physically ready? Are you mentally ready? Um, we get guys that would hold guys accountable to layup line. So it's, it's all these small things. So these are little factors you can bring in or say, hey, guys, are you treating layup line the way it should be? You know, are you looking at this? Are you looking at that? It's just, again, insights. You know, you've got Mike Abdenar, who's still there, and me and Mike talk all the time. And you talk about a legend and somebody that's seen so much greatness. But like, hey, Mike, what, what do you think? You know, so, again, it's any opportunities to listen, to share. We're all hopefully learning, growing. Um, I've got my years in the league. You know, other people have their years in the league. And, again, as a collective group, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're all here just to be better and, again, get those Pistons back. You know, got a little, they got some work ahead of them, but that's all part of the nature of the NBA. But they'll get back again. They're going to be a team that's going to be competing, knowing Ed Stefanski and Arn Tellum and Tom Gores. They're going to be back. Um, they've got the right foundational pieces. Now you, you, you build around that. Um, you know, it's just getting back to what we know works. We know championships in Detroit. And we know the equation. Well, one of those championship teams was the going to work Pistons. And obviously there, there was so much talk about what you did with that team and what you did with the, with the Pistons in those years where they enjoyed so much success of obviously winning the championship and getting back to the finals. What was it like working with that group? And, and for a team that, I mean, Hey, even going into the finals, they were definitely considered the underdogs. A lot of people, we're considering the Lakers to sweep the Pistons, but what was it with that team that made them so special? Well, we knew we were not the underdog. That, that was the fun part. We knew what we had. Um, our biggest challenge, actually, in that playoff run throughout the entire playoffs was, um, was when we were playing New Jersey. I don't know if people remember, we were down 3-2 um, to New Jersey, and we were going to Jersey. And so we stayed in New York because, again, the hotels right around the old arena were not the best and um, wasn't the safest area and all of that. So we actually stayed in the city. Well, that travel from the city all the way to Jersey was long. And being on a bus going to the arena, I mean, sometimes you get caught in traffic, all of that. You could be on a bus an hour, hour and a half before you even got to the game. So on the ride home, um, one of the coaches I used to drive with and I said, hey, now, what do you think about if we stayed in Jersey across, you know, from one of those smaller hotels? He said, yes, so let's, let's ask coach. So he brought it up to coach Brown and coach Brown's like, absolutely. So we almost looked at it like Rocky Balboa. I am the tiger. And we pulled up to this hotel for game six the night before. And everybody's like, where in the heck are we staying at? And um, it, it was safe. We made sure it was safe. It wasn't a nice hotel. It wasn't great, but we were there for one reason, to come in and take care of business. And obviously, we had an incredible team, incredible coach, all of that. The rest is history. We won that game easily. We won game seven easily. We went boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, we took care of business, and we won the NBA championship. But why that team was an incredible team is exactly that. It was a collective group of guys that were so diverse, 
and so different. Every one of those guys, if you look at them, were, you know, incredibly different. But as a team, I don't know if you'll find a better team um, in, in the history books. For me personally, I mean, you talk about guys that did things, you know, Ben Wallace, undersized at, you know, six foot eight, six foot nine, you know, 230, going against Shaq, seven feet, 300. You know, Rashid doing what he did, Tayshawn doing what he did, Chauncey doing what he did, Rip go down the list, Darvin Ham, Corliss Williamson, Linz, Lindsey Hunter, Mike James, and my gosh, Alvin Campbell. We had so many guys on that team that literally bought into being a great team. And um, I, I don't, again, personal for me because I was, you know, part of that group. But, yeah, it, it didn't require a lot of work on my end. They came in every day ready to work. They got it in. Um, didn't have to tell them a whole lot. Hey, this is, you know your routines. Let's just do it. Let's get to work. Let's get practice, bone, get after it, and let's go win some games. Well, Arnie, I, I can't end this interview without asking you this question because it was something that came up when I was researching you before this show. But every time I read something about you, it talked about your emphasis on stretching and the importance of stretching. And, and you even used yoga as, uh, you know, something you did back with the going to work Pistons and those teams. Why is stretching so important? I mean, obviously we hear stretching is important before exercising, but it sounds like it's something that you took to kind of a whole nother level. So why was that so important for you when it comes to working with these NBA teams? Sure, sure. So, so stretching, especially if it's a particular form of stretching um, for an athlete. And what I mean by that is they don't have to have the flexibility of a gymnast or the flexibility of an Olympic diver where they can put their hands flat on the floor. As a matter of fact, we don't want them to have that type of flexibility because if you're that mobile, that means you're a bit more unstable and the risk of injury goes up. So we wanted to make sure they could get flexible enough to get a loose ball or to be able to get into a great defensive stance or hip flexibility. So if they came off a curl, they had the proper hip flexibility to be symmetrical, whether it was left or right. We wanted Rip Hamilton to have incredibly flexible hip flexors to run the way he ran. We wanted, you know, um, everybody to have their particular form of flexibility and anybody who knows who does a lot of, you know, mobility, whatever terms we want to give it, stretching, flexibility, um, there's an incredible mental part to it. It requires a lot of concentration, focus, not easy to do, right? That's why people hate stretching, because it requires you to stay mentally engaged. So we used it as much mentally as we did physically. I mean, you're trying to build tolerance, focus, tenacity, mental strength. What better way? than to have things that require patience. And so that was a huge part of what we did. We started every practice with a series of movements. Some people looked at it as like Tai Chi or whatever, but they're always basketball. We'd start always off in defense. Everything we began was defense and we ended in defense. And the reason is we were gonna win based upon that. So we started with what's important. We finished with what's important. That's gonna win us a championship. And then when we finished practice as a collective group, we would always stand, we didn't lay on the floor, and we would go through four stretches to make sure we could run better, we could stop better, we could change direction better, and we could also get low to the ground. And the main reason low to the ground, we could help a teammate get off the floor. So if you can do all of that stuff, you're a better teammate, um, you're going to be a better person, 
and you'll find yourself way better chance of having success in anything you do in life. Well, Arnie, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I, I, this was a really interesting conversation. I think all of our listeners are not only going to have enjoyed this talk, but are going to have learned a lot both in talks about obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, but also your information and your storytelling about your work in the NBA. So thank you so much for joining us here today. And I hope next time we talk, we're able to talk about an NBA season that was able to get back underway and was able to finish up. And we're looking towards maybe another promising year or or an exciting year for the Pistons and what's looking like it's going to be a young but exciting team for the years to come. That's right. No, I I look forward to it, Aaron. And you stay strong. All your listeners stay strong. And again, yeah, go Pistons. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Of course, we would like to thank Arnie Kander for his time in what was truly a great interview there. A lot of great insight relating to COVID-19, relating to that 22nd challenge, uh, and of course, talking about former Pistons, current Pistons, the state of the organization and the future of what we can hope to expect out of certain players and overall this team in the coming season and seasons to come. So again, thank you so much, Arnie. It was a pleasure to have you here on the podcast this week. Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pay, and I will be back together soon, and we will be putting together a podcast in the near future, again, to continue talking about the Pistons, to talk about the state of the NBA. Of course, we're hoping to have more information soon on what that looks like. Uh, But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and go Pistons. We'll see you next time here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.